Thank you, Pastor Brenda, for those prayers, and good morning, church. It's good to be with you today. Welcome to community. It's been quite a week. We've had a T8. We've had a holiday. We had just gorgeous weather yesterday, and today looks pretty good, too. Um, As Brenda was saying, we're in the Kingdom Now series, this examination of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus talking about how life is supposed to be in this kingdom, how we are to be living in this kingdom now, not sometime in the future, but actually in it today. And so today we talk about forgiveness, and we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer as kind of a preamble to verses 14 and 15. Now, a couple months ago, we had Pastor James visiting and spoke. He spoke on the Lord's Prayer and did an excellent job, so I don't want to spend too much time there but I do want us to look at it um, before we jump in, and let's pray before we do that. God, I thank you that you are here in this place. God, I thank you for your presence, and I pray that your spirit is at work today wherever we might be um, with you, and especially if we are walking with unforgiveness right now, and it's been hard. God, I pray that your spirit is able to to minister to us in a way that we need you to minister today, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So Matthew 6 and 9 through 13 is the Lord's Prayer. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now let us unpack these verses just a little bit. We start with verse 9 then. Our Father. So this is our, our as a group, Father, this word Abba here. So you get this very personal description of who God is, a familial description um, that Jesus is telling us to pray, but we also get this word hallowed, one that we probably don't use very often, but it's it's unique, it's set apart, it's one of a kind. So we have these two contrasting things, this very personal God and this very special, unique God and this transcendent God, and yet we have both of those things in our relationship with God, this personal relationship to this almighty God. And Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done. This Really, this whole Sermon on the Mount is what this life in the kingdom is supposed to be like. What is kingdom living now? And this prayer is an invitation to have God's kingdom, not just in heaven, but on earth. We're to be living as if it's how God intended things to be. And this type of living transcends our Other identities, this kingdom identity transcends our national identity, our political identity. And it's an invitation into having this kingdom, this kingdom of God is our primary way that we identify with the world. See, to say Jesus is Lord is a political statement. For early Christians, that was saying against the Roman government. Because if you were saying Jesus is Lord, then Caesar is not Lord, right? And that's what they needed to proclaim in that day, that Caesar is Lord. And so Jesus is inviting people into a different orientation for their kingdom living. I came across this article by Esau McCauley in the New York Times. He's a professor at Wheaton College, and I can give this to you if you want to read the whole thing. It's the dangerous politics of we will not forgive. And 
President Biden of the U.S. last month invoked the name of God in response to the bombing at the Kabul airport. And in that statement, Biden says, we will not forgive, we will not forget, we will hunt you down and make you pay. And as a Christian, and as an American, I have to say that is not the best way to walk this. As Christians, we get to speak into power wherever we're at, whether that's Hong Kong or whatever home country we might be connected to. We get to stand against power, and Biden is not the only one who has said things like this. Whether you're Democrat or Republican in the U.S., we, as a Christian, I stand against those types of statements. As believers, we get to speak to power, our convictions, our kingdom living, In the article, um, Esau McCauley goes on to say, for the Christian, the king is Jesus, who rather than kill his enemies, says while dying, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I have never heard this passage quoted in our response to modern evil. The idea that love and forgiveness are strategies only of the weak misunderstands the revolutionary aspect of Christian responses to evil. So as we talk about forgiveness, it's not just our interpersonal forgiveness or that's where we're focusing today, but how do we as a people model this in every area of our life, in our workplace, in our politics, in our life groups, in our homes? How do we model this type of kingdom living? Give us today our daily bread. Most of us probably have our daily bread and this isn't a daily prayer that we need to lift up. And if that's the case Thank God for that. But as a people, we can stand in the gap for those who really are praying this prayer of need and dependence. Jesus goes on and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This word debts here is a double meaning. It's both sin and and debt. Jesus could have used a word that was either sin or either debt, but he combines it here. There's this owing aspect of forgiveness that he wants to get at. And he asks us to forgive. And now the verse ends with these, the prayer ends with these two verses. For if you have forgiven other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now this word sin in this verse is a different one than the debts. It's this idea of both accidental and willful sin, both things you didn't intend to do, but they hurt somebody, and those things you intentionally did, Jesus is inviting us into a forgiving posture. Now, I don't think it's saying that God is unwilling to forgive the person who isn't forgiving. We see in Scripture that God is very willing and wanting and does forgive those who are seeking forgiveness. But it is a harsh verse. But I don't think God is up there going, oh, That person has unforgiveness in their heart. I'm pulling my forgiveness back. Rather, Jesus is getting at a posture of the heart here, this principle that he's getting at that have we really received forgiveness? And if so, that should be informing our lives as a people that are forgiving other people. I think this verse exposes our hearts and hardness that maybe we are walking around with. See, we're invited to be a people of grace as Christians, to receive that grace and both to be 
givers of that grace. Jesus says, if you will not forgive, that means there's lots of space to be on the journey of forgiveness. Some of our biggest wounds, biggest betrayals, biggest things that have happened to us can take a lifetime to forgive. I know I've got wounds from my childhood that took years and years and years to forgive, and God meets us in that process. He meets us in that journey to receive his grace and to be transformed by it. Now, this is a big topic. Um, It's a heavy topic. Last week was love your enemies, not an easy one. Today's is not any easier. So I've invited Kim Ho to share with us today um, about forgiveness. She's a counselor, a therapist, a long-term member of community. Let's invite her up today. Okay, so okay, so it's easy um, for us to tell ourselves things like this. Why should I forgive? And um, we might say things like, the person's not even sorry, or they don't deserve our forgiveness. Um, or it might be that we feel the offense is so egregious or so hurtful that we can't forgive. It's not forgivable. They don't understand the damage that they've caused. Um, or sometimes we can go the other, way, the other way and say something like, okay, I'll forgive, I'll be the bigger person, I'm a Christian, and I think that's, that's not also the attitude that uh, God is looking for. So, of course, one benefit of forgiveness that we've been hearing um, Pastor Wade speak about is exactly on this in Matthew 6. Um, as Christians, we forgive as an act of um, acknowledgement and, and uh, gratitude um, and obedience so that God will forgive us. Um, and alongside the biblical command to forgive, the things that we're upset about and we're not able to let go of, it, they occupy valuable space and time and energy in our lives. We can get stunted by these unresolved issues where anger and bitterness remains always simmering beneath the surface, ready to erupt. Um, And some researchers will argue that forgiveness is the greatest antidote to anger and bitterness and psychological pain. So our ability to forgive, it affects both our physical and our emotional well-being as well. Feelings of hostility, resentment, and bitterness um, what they do in our body is we, we release stress chemicals, um, including cortisol. And cortisol has been associated with a range of negative health outcomes like higher blood, uh, high blood pressure, cardiovascular issues, weakened immune system. And so research will show that when our cortisol levels are lower, um, our stress response um, our stress response obviously is lower, our blood pressure um, improves, and we can improve our cardiovascular health, our immune system um, improves, and maybe it even leads to better sleep. So then on the emotional side, unforgiveness keeps us feeling like victims, keeps us stuck and feeling like we can move on. And that can lead to things like anxiety, depression, issues of self-worth and self-esteem, um, 
And so when we reduce our stress response, when we're able not to chronically be in this elevated level of stress, that also can help in areas of our relationship, particularly with towards the person we're talking about who offended us, but that also overflows into our other relationships as well. Um, there's a field of positive psychology that looks at what makes life well-lived, what makes for a meaningful and flourishing life. And forgiveness is one of these factors that can impact our overall well-being. So no matter what our outward circumstances are, whether the offender is remorseful or sorry, if we're able to practice forgiveness, then our sense of well-being can improve. So it might be easy, um, easier to forgive small offenses like somebody cutting us off in traffic. But if someone's committed a serious offense against us, this process can take, uh, can take months, can take years, as Pastor Wade said, it can take a lifetime um, to work through. So forgiveness is not a one-time event. It's a process and a journey. And we might not feel like we can forgive, um, but we do this Firstly, it's a command that God gives to us, but also that's to benefit us first and foremost, not necessarily the transgressor. Um, but if we decide the relationship is an important one to keep, then forgiveness is also important for that sake. Forgiveness is something we decide to do. Uh, there's something called decisional forgiveness, and that is that we decide to release the negative feelings of resentment and bitterness that we have towards someone. And then there's emotional forgiveness. And emotional forgiveness is not just about letting go of those feelings, but deciding to take on positive feelings of compassion and maybe sympathy and empathy towards the person. And that's where the benefits, most of the benefits come from with forgiveness. Uh, forgiveness is also a practice. And um, there's a positive correlation between the amount of time we spend forgiving and the amount of ex the experience of forgiveness. So what that says is the more we practice and we can start with small things, uh, then the better we get. And it's, it's okay that we don't feel like we can extend forgiveness right away. I think for many of us, that is a great challenge. Um, it can take some time. It might be that the wound is too deep or it still feels too raw. Uh, but what is important is to take our time to work through the emotional wounds and to take a step. And every step we take is a step in the journey towards that. So... Um, reach forgiveness. This is a model that was developed by one of the early uh, researchers in forgiveness, a guy by the name of Everett, Everett Worthington. And he is a psychologist and a researcher in Virginia. And he started um, looking at forgiveness back when he was a counselor in the 1980s. He, um, he was counseling couples at that time. And then in 1996, he, his mother, his mother was murdered. And so he and his family had to work through what he was already studying. And he and his family, his brother and sister, they were eventually able to forgive the perpetrator. Um, but he talks of how that process was so difficult, even though he knew a lot about forgiveness. And, and he's done lots of studies on forgiveness as well in both um, a Christian and in secular settings. So REACH, this is an acronym. Um, the R, it stands for RECALL. And recall says that to heal, we have to face the fact that we've been hurt. This is not about minimizing or denying the wrong that's been done to us. 
It's about acknowledging the pain caused and working through all those difficult emotions. So there might be feelings of injustice, unfairness, um, uh, inability to trust, grief, resentment, anger, maybe feelings of depression, um, anxiety. We might feel a loathing towards the person who offended us, or we might feel self-loathing or self-pity. All of these are responses that come from when people hurt us. And these emotional wounds are all ones that can be addressed by forgiveness. So that's why it's important to acknowledge, identify, and then work through these emotions. Um, the more hurt, of course, that we've incurred, the harder it is, and yet also the more important it is to go through this process. Um, it might be helpful to do this with the help um, of a trusted uh, brother or sister in Christ, maybe a friend, um, a life group leader, or maybe with uh, to work through to approach your pastor about this or to work with a counselor. Okay, E, this stands for empathy. Um, I will say probably the R is the one that is the hardest to work through and takes the most time. And then E stands for empathize, and that is about trying to put ourselves in the shoes of the person who wronged us. Um, and if we do that, we might be able to understand why they did it. It doesn't excuse the offense or the offender, but it can help us to see the person more as a human being, someone who's fallible and, and can make bad choices like we all can. And then the A, it stands for altruism. And the idea here is that we can give forgiveness as an unselfish, altruistic gift. Hopefully we all remember someone that we have wronged or that we have hurt, probably some, uh, somebody close to us, and recall what it's like when we've been forgiven. We feel light and free, liberated, not so weighed down. Um, it makes us not want to disappoint the person by wronging them again. Or sorry, not want to dis uh, disappoint the person by doing wrong again. And so by forgiving unselfishly, we can give the same gift to someone who hurt us. C stands for commit. And this idea, the idea behind this is that once we make the decisional commitment to forgive, it, it might help to solidify that to help make it stick. So it might be as simple as doing something like writing it down and saying, today I choose to forgive this person who hurt me. And so writing something down or telling someone that can help us um, to stick to this. And then we can become to begin ready, uh, to begin to be ready to offer goodwill and blessing to the person who hurt us. Um, I will add at the same time, it's important to take into consideration safeties around or issues around safety and trust um, and forgiveness does not necessarily mean reconciliation. It may or may not mean that because forgiveness is really something we do for ourselves um, and it's an inward process and reconciliation involves the other person. And then finally, holding on, the H. And that's about um, holding on to forgiveness we can do this maybe by trying to seek meaning in the suffering that we faced. And this emotional relief and newfound meaning might lead to increased compassion for self or others uh, and others. And then we hope that we can discover the paradox of forgiveness, which is that as we wish goodwill and blessing upon others, we ourselves feel liberated. And again, not so weighed down. 
And so if we've written a note of commitment, that might be helpful because we might at times uh, fall back. We might reconsider whether we really want to forgive or we might doubt that we can. And so we might need to remind ourselves over and over and make the conscious choice again and again when we feel like we're slipping. So the process of forgiveness, this is a quote from Mother Teresa, um, the process for forgiveness for something that's a serious offense can be long and difficult. It's very easy to stand here and talk about the steps, but actually feeling real forgiveness can be extraordinarily difficult, especially if we think about the deep wounds that we carry. Um, the good news is that forgiveness is a practice, and the more we practice, the better we can get. We can start with the small things um, and build our forgiveness muscles. So alongside Pastor Wade's biblical teaching, the research is also clear that forgiving someone can help us to move, help us to live healthier lives. Last week, Pastor Wade was preaching on love and action, and we can think of forgiveness as love and action. Thank you, Kim. That was excellent and some good truths there um, for us to walk through. We don't minimize the challenge of this teaching. That quote from Mother Teresa really gets at the heart of the Sermon on the Mount. How do we love others well? And forgiveness is a part of that journey. We see Jesus talking about this in many places in the Gospels in Luke 18, um, he talks about a scene where two people are coming to pray. The Pharisee is there and very full of himself, very self-righteous, and says, I'm glad I'm not like these other people. And then there's a tax collector, sort of the very worst uh, person that the society would look at, and he comes up, and he can't even look at God, right? And he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, one of them went away justified. This posture of the heart that Kim was talking about in that reach dynamic of having awareness of your own need for God instead of self-righteousness, embracing God's righteousness. When we accept forgiveness through Christ, we can abandon idea of moral superiority, of they're all bad and I'm all good. Um, Vaclav Havel um, was a former president in the Czech Republic and he was involved in the midst of the uh, transition from communism to their democracy, and there was this velvet revolution, and it was so easy for one side to look at the other and to paint them with broad strokes of all bad or all good. And he has this quote, the line between good and evil does not run clearly between them and us, but through each person. And this reality that... Um, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, we know we need God's forgiveness as well and accept his love. I'm going to just pass through um, these other slides. If you want to take a, um, a screenshot of those, you can. And um, Kim hit on many of these things here, um, but just as a way of thinking about what forgiveness is not, sometimes people think they have to forgive and forget. And those are really two different things. Um, you're not approving of what the other person does. You're not saying there aren't consequences for their actions. Um, it's not saying that they can keep doing this in the future and there won't be problems. 
And as Kim was saying, it's not reconciliation and trust. In the EHR curriculum, the Emotional Healthy Relationships, right now there's a fighting fair session. And that kind of gets at how do we work towards reconciliation? What does that look like? And that's an important thing. And it's important to really with that curriculum to apply it to your context, apply it to your culture. It's coming from an American, very American perspective. The challenge with preaching on this is as the buildup to this week happens, I have to examine my own heart and, um, and to be honest with myself. And there was a minor incident this week and um, I was in a bad mood. Eric and I went out to dinner and... We each ordered something and the, brought the first item, and we weren't going to share it. We said, oh, let's share it. And the second item never comes out. 40 minutes into the meal, the guy comes out and says, hey, did that pizza come out? I was like, no, the pizza didn't come out. He's like, oh, actually, we haven't even started making it yet. We had a big order come in um, to delivery, and do you want it to, do you want to take it to go? We are just like, no, no, we're going to leave. And so I was kind of in a cranky mood on the way home. And Maya was at home, and I took out my crankiness on her. And the next morning, I'm like, this sermon is going through my mind. And I'm like, I need to ask for forgiveness from Maya. And I did, and she forgave me. Now, this is a very minor thing, but like Kim was saying, if we practice with these smaller things, it it builds up our forgiveness muscles so that we can grow in this idea of forgiveness. And then the next one I'm just going to go through here again. If you want to take a um, screenshot of that, um, you can. Um, but we'll, we'll, um, I want to go to a clip. Now, some of you told me about seeing uh, Squid Game this week. Um, again, I said I couldn't recommend Squid Game due to the violence, but I did watch the whole show. Another show I cannot recommend but is really, uh, really good. Um, it's called Midnight Mass, and it digs into these theological themes um, that we see in the world but also in the church. Let me set up this scene for you. Um, Lisa is the girl in the scene, and when she was nine years old, she was shot by the guy Joe. So she was paralyzed from the waist down. Joe um, began a life of drinking. He was kind of the town drunk. Lisa was in a wheelchair um, for the next nine years. She experiences an amazing physical healing, and she decides to go and confront Joe. Let's look at the scene. I hate you, Joe Colley. I have hated you for years, and the things I've imagined doing to you, I want you to hurt. I want you to suffer. I want you to make those noises my dad made when he put his hand over the bullet hole in my spine. I want you to beg for my forgiveness so that I can tell you no. I want you to live in complete, absolute misery. So when I say this place is just like I pictured it, what I really mean is it's just like I hoped it would be. I'm sorry. Damn right you're sorry. You stole from me. Not just who I was, but who I could have been. You stole from me things I didn't even have yet. You reached through time, Joe Colley. You reached through time and you stole. All of that is true. And all of that is still in here, but... 
That's not why I came here today. I came here today. I came here today. I forgive you. Uh. <laughs> I forgive you, Joe Colley. I forgive you. And I see you now. I see you. And I'm still angry with you. But it's different. Even now, just saying it, it's different. Do you want to know why it's different? Because the only thing standing between you and a better life is you. The only thing standing in my way was hate. The only thing standing in your way is you. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes the city. That's Proverbs 16.32, Joe. Do you know what Proverbs means? What the book of Proverbs is? It means wisdom. Wisdom and knowledge. So, if God can forgive you, and he says he can, all over the place he says it, then I can forgive you. <laughs> and if I can forgive you, Joe Colley, then anyone can. It's a powerful clip, and we see the power of forgiveness in that interaction, both for Joe and for Lisa. And probably in our own lives, um, when we've been able to forgive something that was so deep and so challenging, we can say the same. The power of forgiveness changes both the giver and the receiver. It's transformative. But it takes intention to do that. Dallas Willard um, says this. He says, it is in our thoughts that the first movements towards the renovation of the heart occur. Thoughts are the place where we can and must begin to change. There the light of God first begins to move upon us through the word of Christ. We can have intention. We can take a step. We can begin the journey if we haven't started the journey of forgiveness. As I was saying, it has taken years for me to forgive some things in my life. Some of the hurts can run so deep, but these are places that we must go. Sometimes I think, okay, I've forgiven them. It's taken a while. I'm praying for them. I'm praying God's blessing for them. And then something will happen. I'll see them and they might do something or something gets triggered in me and I realize, oh, there's still something there. And it's like an onion and it's a re-invitation to go to that deeper layer and work on it again to bring that forgiveness before God. Part of our value and vision here at Community is that nobody stands alone. We recognize that many of us are on a forgiveness journey um, some of us are not yet on that forgiveness journey, um, but maybe we want to be, and maybe that's the first step, is I, I want to want to forgive. Some of you are maybe wanting to forgive, and yet you're not sure how to take that next step. Some of you are well along the path, and, and all of us are probably in different points, depending on what it is we're wanting to forgive, but don't do it alone. 
as Kim was sharing, share it with somebody, a friend, person in your life group, a mentor, a pastor, a counselor. Um, don't walk this alone. Um, invite somebody else to be on that journey with you. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are on that journey with us, that we can invite you to be with us, and we can know that you are, in fact, with us. Jesus, you taught on forgiveness often, and you recognize the challenge of being a forgiving person, especially those things that cut the deepest. And yet you know that those things can occupy our heart and can take us away from health, can take us away from you when we're not able to work through it. So we do invite you to do a work today. God, I pray that you would give each one of us a heart of compassion, maybe for those around us who are struggling with forgiveness. God, give us a heart of courage to face some of these challenging things that we have to walk into when we take steps of forgiveness, God. God, we know that, um, that you will work in these things, God, that you will work in our hurts, you will work in our hearts, God, um, and that you are at work right now making something new, God. So God, we bring a heart of surrender, God. We bring a heart that wants to yield to you. We bring a heart that wants you to do a work, especially, especially when we cannot do that work on our own, God. So come in, come in, God. Do a work, soften, till soil, pour water in the dry places. Do a ministry, I pray, God, in each one of us today.